Todd Sachs, broker and founder of Sachs Realty, and welcome to this episode of Things You Should Know. I'm honored to introduce you today, Mrs. Marsha Parham Green. She's executive director of the Housing Choice Program, which is formerly the Section 8 program in Baltimore County, Maryland. The Housing Choice Voucher Program helps people pay their rent. The need for subsidy is great and the supply is limited. As a real estate investor myself, over the last decade, I've had a tremendous amount of success and a really just a great overall experience in dealing with voucher programs. If you're a real estate investor or you're thinking about investing in real estate to rent housing for passive income, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Marsha, welcome. Thank you so much for your time today. We are so excited to have you. So just tell our audience uh, a little bit about you and what you do as the director of the Housing Choice Program. So I have been with Baltimore County for eight years now, administering their Section 8 program, or now called the Housing Choice Voucher Program. I've been in housing for over 12 years. I work nationally with the National Association of Housing and Redevelopment Agencies to promote housing throughout the country. So I'm excited to be here and talk about what we do in Baltimore County and about the Housing Choice Voucher Program. Yeah, well, you know, there's so many questions. So as a real estate broker here at Saks Realty, um, I'm always asked uh, from my agents, from our clients um, about the program. So um, hopefully we're going to need to clear up some, some myths today and educate uh, our audience and investors um, how they can participate in the program. And I guess we'll, we'll kind of start it off with um, what starts the process. So tell us about the program and um, how it's helping people um, with housing and really what gets the sort of the process started. The applicant would go to our website and apply for our, our um, one of our, our voucher programs. We have several different programs. The Housing Choice Voucher Program, currently the waiting list is closed, but there are other opportunities for people to get subsidized housing through other programs such as Housing Opportunities for Persons with AIDS, BASH Program for Veterans, Mainstream for Persons with Disabilities. So there's other opportunities. Just because the Housing Choice Voucher Waiting List is closed doesn't mean um, that there's nothing there for those persons. But they apply and then they, they're at a tire waiting list. Um, unfortunately, our waiting list is about 27,000 families because that reflects the need of housing within this region, not just Baltimore County. Um, so once we call them off of the list and then we determine whether they're eligible. So if you're waiting on the waiting list, it doesn't mean that you're guaranteed a voucher or guaranteed assistance. Everyone has to be determined eligible first. And once that process is started, then we issue the voucher and we assist the family with trying to find housing. We don't just send them off on their merry way. We have uh, staff in place to help them locate and connect with landlords that are willing to accept their voucher. So they go to BaltimoreCounty.gov? That is correct. They go to BaltimoreCounty.gov, my housing. Okay, and then they would click on that. Uh, to get on the waiting list or what is how who helps them with the different types of programs um, is that done um, you know once they actually fill out an application does it do they then um, have an opportunity to select which program they wish to apply for or is that done through your department 
Well, it used to be that way, but we automated that process. Okay. So that's why it's it's a web-based application. And once they put in their family's demographics and all of their information, the 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 application actually tells them what programs they're eligible for. Mm -hmm. So it stops them from having to sit on a waiting list and for us to tell them, Yo, you're not eligible. It already determines, based on the information they've provided, whether they're eligible or not, so that it, cu it cuts down their waiting time. Yeah, so you say there's 20,000 families. 27. 27,000 yes. families, families on our waiting, waiting list. list. So what does that, um, give us some kind of idea, what type of expectation would that be if they do qualify for one of those programs? Is that several years or what, in, if you had to quantify that? Right, so based on our estimate, estimates, there, it will probably be about 14 years before we serve someone that would be applying today. Wow. So there's an, on average a 14 year wait from the date of application before we would get to an individual on the waiting list. And that's mostly due to funding restrictions um, based, the program has had cuts year over year. So we've been unable to recycle those vouchers. As people come off the program, typically you would be able to reissue it to someone from the waiting list, but because we're pretty much overspending, we've been un unable to do that. Well, um, so from the landlord standpoint, uh, there's also a spot on the website where they can get information on how to participate in the program. That is correct. And the, the exciting thing about for the landlords, we just implemented a landlord portal. So the landlords is, can't get any easier. The only thing that the landlord would have to do if you're not currently participating in the program is to one, register your property with Baltimore County Rental Registration. Um, and then you sign up with us. We, again, have staff that will refer clients to you that are looking for your type of home in your area. So we we're, we have that two-way communication between the landlords and the clients, so you won't have that vacancy, which I know a lot of investors are worried about. So we try to help with that, and also it helps house our families sooner. But our payments, the payments, and any information about inspections, all of that information for, that a landlord needs or a management company needs will be resident on that website. Yeah, so, um, you know, we get a lot of questions on, um, and maybe we could uh, talk for a moment about this. I guess the biggest question that I get most often is, does a landlord have to participate when an applicant applying to live in their, their rental home, do they have to accept um, someone that has a voucher? So I'm going to answer that and say, unfortunately, they do not. Um, and it's unfortunate because they're missing an opportunity. Um, Baltimore County, the county executive, will be presenting the source of income legislation shortly, um, sometime in the fall. And hopefully that will pass in the county council that will allow the, um, the, the landlords to not be able to discriminate based on source of income. And it's not just for the voucher holder. We have to keep in mind that it's also for persons that get um, any other income other than employment income. So landlords can tell them no. But the biggest market there would be the voucher holder. Um, again, the voucher holder is just like any other person looking for some place to live. They're just getting part of a portion of their rent paid through a subsidy, and um, they're paying some portion also. Yes, I know that many of the surrounding counties, in fact, a large part of the state has 
uh, protected source of income. I think Baltimore County is one of the only counties, you know, that it's not required. So um, I think uh, I think it is important. I think it would uh, it would certainly um, clear up a lot. And I think what people don't realize um, is that you know, source of income. You know, because you accept the voucher program doesn't mean that you can't qualify them based on other things as long as they're consistent with, you know, for everyone. So they still don't have to take someone that is necessarily, let's say, below a certain credit score. Or there's different, a multitude of ways that, that landlords should have in place anyway, regardless what the source of income is. You know, as I'd mentioned, I mean, I've had tremendous success with the voucher programs and um, for over 10 years. And, you know, the, the, the biggest thing I always say is, you know, you still interview the pro- you still have an interview process, but you know, my money is always there on time. You know, it's directly deposited into my checking account. And, you know, though we do and we will talk a little bit about the inspections, um, that there is inspections and, and, and things like that. Um, but it's really just to provide, make sure that we're providing safe housing, you know, that that anyone should have anyway. We always say that the housing office is responsible for determining eligibility for the program. And I coined this phrase that we look for the investor or the landlord or the owner to determine what is wonderful. What does wonderfulness look like to you? So you're right, they should be screening based on the criteria that, criteria that they have established for their homes or their investment property. That, that's their asset. So they want to make sure they're protected. Enforce your lease. So those things, source of income does not negate any of those things. Correct. And I think that's important. That's an important point to remember. And I can tell you, as an investor myself who has some Section 8 um, clients in some of my properties, and also as a realtor who deals with investors, um, one of the great things about the program is the income is guaranteed. Um, You go through the inspections, but a portion of the rent is um, being paid by the county on time, deposited directly. I mean, you can count on that, which you can't always count on otherwise. So that's one of the benefits of it. I will say, as a landlord, too, I have used your portal for landlords, and it is extremely easy. You can post your property there, and they do call you. Yes, and so the other piece of that is that, by regulation, we have to make payment to all landlords by the first of the month. Otherwise, we get penalized by HUD. So I make sure that we make sure those payments are there on time, and that's with any housing authority. So we're going to make sure that you get paid because if you don't get paid, then we don't get paid to administer the program. So what can you tell us about, you had said that you're screening uh, applicants. So could you just tell us a little bit about what that screening process is, is all about? So we're screening the applicants for criminal behavior. We're also screening them to see if they have participated in the subsidy program and they were terminated from the program because, again, we're not going to condone bad behavior. Um, So we're also screening to make sure that the information that they're provided us is true and accurate because their subsidy is determined by their income. So we're verifying all sources of income from every member of the household to make sure that we have done that calculation correctly so that we can stretch those dollars as far as possible. So as far as screening, is there any kind of credit check? 
We do not because again, we are only determining eligibility for the program and credit is not one of those criteria. Okay. Um, it is, is just the household composition, criminal background, um, and whether they're a sex offender. We're looking for that also. It is up to the landlord to determine um, whether credit is an issue, you know, the, the credit, the um, tenancy from their previous units or whatever, that is going to be for the investor or the landlord to determine. And you mentioned that people who have been terminated from the program before or a similar program are not eligible. What determines if somebody's terminated from the program? There's a lot of things. One, the, the, the biggest one that we find is going to be because they did not comply with the requirements of the program. So every the program has um, family obligations, which means they will allow us to come in once a year and inspect. They will report any changes to their household um, annually or as it occurs. Um, they will um, meet their family obligations, which are reporting any income changes, any family composition changes to us immediately. They will keep their unit in a safe, sanitary, and decent condition. Um, any criminal activity, we need to know about it right away. Um, and if they do not provide us with any of that information, those are all grounds for termination. Okay. So let's talk about um, what the program needs from a landlord. Uh, what type of housing is most needed right now? Um, and and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what the conditions, what conditions need to be met as far as that home. So the biggest need in Baltimore County right now are family housing. We need those three and four bedrooms. Baltimore County is currently under a voluntary compliance agreement with HUD and several complainants to provide family housing in what they call areas of opportunity. I like to say that all of Baltimore County is an area of opportunity, but there are specific areas, um, especially in North Baltimore County, where there are very few voucher holders and very few opportunities for families uh, that need the, those larger units. So we're looking for investors that are in the Lutherville, Parkville, Cockeysville um, area, Catonsville to provide some of those larger homes for us because there's a lot of multifamily units available throughout the county. And then also for those owners of the multifamilies in those those opportunity areas to allow the voucher holders to come in. Um, and basically, as I stated, they start the process by getting their properties registered with um, Baltimore County Rental Registration, and then they contact our office. We have what's called housing search specialists. We will drive our clients to your property to assist them to view the property, again, to cut down on the overhead for the investor or the landlord. We will um, advertise your properties for you. Also, because again, we are under a 60-day window and the families are under a 60-day window to get housed once we issue the voucher. So it's to our benefit into the family's benefit to assist them in that process. So the investor really just has to make their, their home available for us so that we can make it available to one of our families. So when you're showing the home, is are you inspecting it at the same time or is the inspection uh, a separate process? Yeah, the inspection is a separate process. Once the family selects the, that home or that unit, then they, they let us know the address the intended move-in date, and then we send out inspectors to inspect the property. And it's called the um, Housing Quality Standards Inspection. And we come out to make sure that it meets all the criteria. 
if you've passed the rental registration, more than likely your unit will pass that inspection. And we're also checking for Baltimore County code to make sure that everything in the home meets Baltimore County code. Once that inspection happens, um, we can pretty much move the family in within another 10 days or so. Now, is there any type, I know that in Baltimore County, as well as other areas, you have to register now your rentals. Um, is there a process that you're verifying that the landlords have in fact registered the home as a rental property? Yes, we do do that because it's twofold. Because if the landlord has to go to court and he has not registered the property, then the case gets thrown out. And so that doesn't help anyone. Um, but also, we facilitate that registration by allowing our inspection to serve as that rental registration inspection. So it saves the landlord money in having to hire a private contractor to do that inspection that's necessary to register. So the housing office will do it for you, so definitely um, if you are thinking about um, registering a property as a rental property, please allow us to you know, be a part of that and be a part of the program. So That's we'll great. save you some money. How about lead paint in the pre-78? We, we asked the, uh, the owner or investor to self-certify that, that the unit meets the lead paint requirement. We do not inspect for lead paint. But we also do have the county, through the Department of Planning, has um, some set-asides for lead paint abatement, if necessary. So you had, if you could just um, repeat the time frame again. So once they're accepted into the program, you said they have how many days? They have 60 days. To, to look, find a place to, to find move. A, to utilize that voucher. We can, extend, we, we can offer extensions on that, um, but typically... We don't want the family to not be housed. So we work with the family to, again, to make sure that they, within 60 days, they have identified a unit, they have overcome all of their challenges. We offer security deposit assistance either through the Office of Housing or through the Department of Social Services. We try to do all that coordination to make sure that the families have everything that they need to be successful. So as far as uh, rents, so, um, you know, it's, um, always uh, you know the big question you know how much can someone charge for a one bedroom or two bedroom or three or four bedroom home um, is the program involved in that pricing and really um, determining whether they're paying too much for instance mm -hmm. uh, for the the home so the guidelines make sure that we do not overpay for a property. HUD publishes annually fair market rents, and we use those guidelines to determine how we're going to set our guidelines as far as rent is concerned. In Baltimore County, we have set ours pretty much at 110% of the fair market rents because that's what the market in Baltimore County is driving, and we want to make sure that the families can get into a nice unit anywhere within the county. That's great. So in, in the areas of opportunity, we will go up to 120% if warranted. The, but the caveat to that is that it has to be within reason of rent reasonableness of the surrounding area. So you can't charge $900 for your one bedroom unit and the person next door to you is charging 600. Yes. You know, so it has to be reasonable for the market that where the house is located. So do you require the landlord to provide comparables or, or are you doing that um, in, the, in your department? 
We do that in our department. If we absolutely can't find a comparable, which happens, especially when you're looking at accessible units, there aren't many in a specific area. Um, or if you've you know, put a four or five bedroom in an area that typically only has a three or four bedrooms, um, we will ask the landlord to please help us so that we can offer them the rent that they believe that they should get. Um, but we have to be able to support it. Is there is there a reevaluation time like after somebody's been in the program for a while they're and they're supposed to notify you of income changes and all that kind of stuff do you recertify people and if so how often we recertify all the families annually and we okay. reinspect all of the units annually again because we want to make sure that the families are living in safe sanitary conditions and also that the landlord's property um, has been kept up to par. I mean, it is not being caused by family damage. So we want to make sure we, that's why we go in annually and we're looking at the income annually because a lot of the participants on our program are on um, SSI or some other form of income that is, un, that is not employment income that doesn't really change right. that often. So it's an annual, um, in, annual recertification. Yeah, I know personally I've had, um, you know, I was had mentioned that I have a tenant that was on the program and um, he's now off. So um, he had, he was through the VA program, which we discussed a little bit before we got started here. And um, he had an actual counselor that worked with him and he's proud. I mean, he's, you know, it, it helped him to get off the street. Uh, it helped him to have safe housing, a, a safe roof over his head. Um, and, you know, he got himself back together again, became, you know, more gainfully employed and was really proud to say, you know, that he was no longer on the program and that he would be paying his rent. And I, and I have to tell you, he pays it every month on time. And then I've also had, uh, tenants where their qualifications had changed. Maybe their job was changing or, you know, their income was fluctuating. And the program would send me a letter that basically said that the, that the subsidy would either be increased or decreased and the effective date. And uh, so the communication has always been very, very good. Uh, so, you know, that's it's, been my experience, too. The communication is, is awesome. You guys do, are doing a great job. Thank you so much for that. And it's key in order for the family to be successful. We don't want the family or the landlord to be worried about where's my money, who's going to pay me, what's going on. Um, so we try to communicate with every change that is happening. Even when someone is, uh, we believe, will be terminated from the program, we notify the landlord and says, hey, in the next 60 to 90 days, this program, this person may or may not be receiving subsidies so everyone can plan accordingly because we don't want anything to be a surprise. Let's talk about one of the questions that I've heard so many different answers to and that's water bills. I hear some people say, you know, you can't send the water bill to the tenant if they're on a voucher program and then, you know, and I've really never had a clear answer yeah. with that. Yeah. Can you bill the tenant for water bills if they're on a voucher program? You can if it's in your lease. Okay. So all of that is determined at the time of move-in. So we are, again, we are calculating that rent based on all of that information. Who's paying the electric? Who's paying the water bills? Who's paying the utilities, period, um, in, the, in the unit? So if you're going to bill um, the, the water bill to the tenant, we factor that in. 
So if they're coming from another rental, um, so, you know, we've spoken about, you know, the, within 60 days, you know, a new applicant that's approved has to find housing or there is extensions, pot extension potential. But what about the ones that wish to move where they are right now? They start looking um, to relocate. What type of process is involved for that for you to evaluate? you know, what, where they are and where they want to go and how does the program participate with that? So we try to coordinate with what the typical lease would be. Most leases have a 90, 60 to 90 day, you know, notification for the uh, termination of the lease. So we start our recertification process 90 days before their um, annual recertification, which is the same date as their move-in date for their unit. So that way they can make that determination if they want to move. So if they tell us they want to move, then we connect them with our mobility unit and our mobility unit will help them identify a new, a new location. So we interview them actually and say, you know, are your kids in school? What do, what do you need to be near high school? Do you need to be near elementary school? Where do you work? All those things so that they're not just moving to be moving because they don't like their landlord. You want to make the move so that it creates stability for your family. And that's the most important thing. The Housing Choice Voucher, um, the, our staff, we are there to create stability for the families. And I had a question about, um, as a landlord, let's say you have a Section 8 tenant and you find out that they're not following the lease. Um, they've moved somebody else in who's not on the lease or you run into some sort of problem um, is there a remedy for the landlord? The remedy would be the normal remedies for a landlord, even if they were not a, a Section 8 client. So you would take them to court. You would cite them for the lease violation. You would let us know. Whenever you cite them for a lease violation, you need to let the Office of Housing know. If you take them to court, we need a copy of those court filings. Mm -hmm. If you send them late notices about payments, we if we have a copy of it, we will contact that family and we will provide a counseling to them first. If it continues, um, then we will make other steps accordingly. Um, so one of the, another family obligation is that they pay their portion of the rent timely. Okay. So if they're missing that, they are potentially putting themselves in a, a termination position. Okay, and you talked about counseling. Can you talk some more about exactly what that involves? Like, not, not if they're a problem, but just in general. If you've been accepted in the program and you're now getting a voucher, is there an initial counseling? Is there an ongoing counseling? Or what do you do to help them financially understand and budget? And so we started just about three years ago. We started what's called the mobility program. And what it was intended to do, and, and what we're still trying to get the bugs out of it, but it, it seems to be working really well, is that we counsel the, the families. We do a pre- and post-move counseling. So we bring them in, and we talk to them about financial management, how to housekeeping. How do you keep your house clean? How do you make sure that you have a safe, sanitary living conditions and um, budgeting? Okay. We talk to them about community work. Did you go out to the community meeting? Have you been to the, your child's school? Mm -hmm. Participation in the PTA, all those things. So we teach them um, how to be a part of their community and, again, to create that stability for themselves and for their children and how to make sure that they're not just running from the bill. 
you know, my cable got cut off here, so I'm going to move so that I can get it on somewhere else. So we try to do that financial management so that they can eventually come off the program. As you stated, it is important for, the, for us to get families off the program so that we can serve some of those 28,000 families that are waiting to receive some assistance. And how does that work? Is it always the next person on the waiting list that gets considered, or is there some sort of need-based assessment that goes into that? For Baltimore County, um, our, our priorities are live or work in Baltimore County. Those, those is how the, that is how the waiting list is sorted, and it is the next person that is eligible, not necessarily the next person on the list, but the next eligible person or family that is on the list will be the next one served. Okay. And if they've been on the list for a while, their eligibility may have changed. We don't determine their eligibility until they we call them off of the list. So they're okay. basically, oh, the okay. families that are on the waiting list are kind of just sitting there. You know, so we haven't done anything with them. We don't know whether they are or are not eligible. They're just kind of in a, pos- a waiting list position, so to speak. And once we pull them off, that's when we determine whether they're eligible. So unfortunately, because the list is so long and we're unable to issue, there have some families have been on there for over 10 years, um, and they may not be eligible. So I always say to families when they call that don't make this the only basket that you're, you know, carrying around. We are not the, um, the answer because we really don't know whether we'll be able to serve you or not. You had mentioned, um, and we spoke a little bit about um you know, court proceedings and things like that. So let's say that the tenant is not paying the portion, uh, the unpaid portion of the rent. And um, and you said that you kind of get back involved, find out what's going on. The landlord would let you know, hey, you know, we're um, going for an eviction or, or you know, uh, possession. So what happens? I mean, can they at that point if they are struggling for some reason, can they qualify for more um, in certain situations? Well, again, their subsidy is based on their income. So if they're struggling, we will go in and try to figure out why they're struggling because if their income stayed the same, then it's probably some financial management issue that's present in that household. Um, But they can't get more unless their income went down. So it's all income-based. It's all income-based, and the family is required to pay a minimum of 30% of their income um, towards their rent, unless there are other circumstances, and there are some, you know, other circumstances for certain families. Um, But that is the way that the program is set up. So we go in and try to figure out what's going on to help, and sometimes they just, they're just not paying. And it's unfortunate when landlords allow it to continue for a prolonged period of time because, oh, well, they didn't really have any money. I didn't really want to, you know, take them to court. We purposely do the calculation to make sure that it is something that the family can afford. It is a, it's a strict calculation that HUD prescribes. So we never have the family's portion more than what we've determined they can afford. And if their financial situation changes, their income decreases, they need to let us know right away because we will immediately change their portion. Hmm, that's interesting. But it does, it hurts the families when you don't take them to court. And I hate to say that, but it really does because we're not able to come in and help counsel them to find out what's going on. Um, and then they believe that that is something that they can continue to do. Uh, we've had a landlord that came to us after three years of the person not paying 
and he owed, ended up owing over $8,000, which was never going to be collected. So the landlord ended up with no money, and the person ended up with no voucher. So it doesn't help to not mm. follow your normal processes. Again, these clients are no different than any other rental that you would have in the private market. I think that's very important. I, I did not know that. And in fact, some investor clients that, that I've worked with have said, well, I'm, I'm never counting on their portion because what I get from the, I just count on getting that. That's all I budget. So it's almost like if they don't pay that, oh, well. But to know that, that they should be filing that is really important information. They should. So budgeting and um, actual are two different things. So the, if you want to budget your business based on that, the housing authority's portion of the payment, that's that's fine. Um, good business would say, I want to budget based on all the rent that I, I can project and, and go after it. If you don't go after it, then, you know, it, it's to me that's leaving money on the table as a business owner. Right. Um, but again, that's their perspective. But again, it doesn't help the family to operate in a normal environment, a normal market environment, because when they go to the next landlord that doesn't allow them to do it, the family fails. I'd, I'd like for you to um, just a couple thoughts to the investors watching. So I think the uh, most important thing is that you don't have to take the voucher holder. Even if the source of income legislation passes, you're still going to be screening based on your criteria. So you're going to still be using the same business model that you would anyway. So at least open up your eyes and, and your hearts to, to these participants and your homes and allow them because you're going to screen. You should screen. Enforce your lease. The the other uh, thing that I think it's important to understand, in the Baltimore County Office of Housing, we graduate at least 20 families a year to home ownership. So we're nurturing those families to make sure that they can get off the voucher program so we can recycle those vouchers. So we have, and 90% of our families have employment income. So it's not the conception that there are the welfare mothers, they're just going to be sitting in the house and nobody in the household works. 90% of our families work. So they're out trying to make it better for their families. So again, we're just looking for opportunities for them to find good, decent living um, units throughout Baltimore County and not limiting them to certain sections of Baltimore County. We also offer, through the Department of Planning, what's called a modification fund. So if you have someone that needs modifications for accessibility, grab bars, that type of thing, Baltimore County has a fund that will help fund that. We will pay for that for you. So it's not a burden to either the client or the landlord. So there's a lot of things that we will offer. We are more than happy to work with any landlord, any investor that comes our way. If they feel like they have something unique, give us a call. We'll be happy to have that conversation. But the important thing is to understand that we're a market. We put about we spend about five million dollars a month in rents, so you want to be a part of that number. So open up your doors. Um, we still, you know, again the families are moving around. We're getting a lot of influx of families from Baltimore City that are looking to live in Baltimore County. So there is a lot of opportunity for you to not have a vacancy um, in your portfolio. Again, Baltimore County can help. We're here to help. Thank you so much. 
So there you have it. So um, I hope you landlords out there, investors that are considering uh, buying homes for passive income, um, reach out uh, to the, uh, the Baltimore County uh, Housing Department. We're, we'll have all of the information in the show notes here. Uh, Marsha has been great at explaining this program. Hopefully you've learned a lot and, um, and, and it's cleared up a lot of uh, maybe negative myths that you've heard about the program. And uh, we thank you for watching. Thank you for your time. Sachs Realty, Maryland Broker, number 607720, office number 443-318-4514, Equal Housing Opportunity.